Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Robins on the Wire. This is a special seven-side derby edition and I'm pleased to announce that I'm joined by two big Bristol City fans here for this special edition where we're actually recording this in Wales as I speak at the moment. Uh, there's three of us here and actually we all live uh, over the, the wrong side of the bridge as maybe a lot of people in Bristol would say. So that's the link here setting this up for the Cardiff game. And I'm joined by Paul the Exiled Robin. Uh, how are you doing, Paul? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Gregor. And also the BCFC Oliver the Dog, uh, Mike, uh, who is a big Bristol City fan and also lives over this way as well. How are you doing, Mike? Very well, Gregor. Good afternoon. <laughs> and we're going to discuss all things Bristol City for the next half an hour or so. Um, we're going to start with the Barnsley game. So, chaps, I, I think you both watched the game. I, I couldn't make this one. Actually, uh, my sports editor, James, covered for me. I only missed one game a season. This was it because I was at a wedding. But I have re-watched the game back. Um, but what were your overriding thoughts, chaps? And if I could kick it off and say... In, when I watched it back, and you might feel differently, I actually thought Bristol City played pretty well in the second half and didn't look like conceding until those last minutes. And it literally, it was pretty much the last kick of the game, wasn't it? Did you feel that way? Yeah, I think it was. Clearly lost control, wasn't it? I think, um, I think looking back at the game, I mean, it wasn't a great game of quality by any means. It was a wet, windy night in Barnsley on a Friday night. We... Somehow managed to get two goals up, and we we did look threatening at times going forward. I thought Andy Vyman in particular looked good. Um, losing Josh Brownhill obviously had an effect, and I think what I saw in the second half was a gradual loss of midfield. I think I maybe it didn't they didn't take advantage early on in the half, but you could see that Masenga was obviously struggling. Pretty much the only designated central midfielder in there, played a lot of games, still very young. Tommy Rowe had been suddenly moved in there, having played all season at left-back and was probably adapting back to the position. And we just seemed to suddenly lose control of that area. And I think that's one area. But I think most disappointing for me was a complete lack of any obvious leadership or shape in the last 15, 20 minutes when I think a lot of fans lauded our game management a lot of times last year, how well we saw games out, how well we didn't concede goals late on, and there was apps, just none of it, none of it was evident whatsoever in the last 20 minutes on Friday. Mike, do you think Lee Johnson's substitutions in the game played a part in it, or is that maybe a little bit harsh? I'm uh, and sort of tied into that as well, Josh Brownhill going off after half an hour, which, which was a bit of a weird one, because I thought, because he kind of went down, didn't he, after 20 minutes, and then sort of got back up, and I think Lee Johnson said after the game it was a back spasm, technically, and, he, and he's, I think, supposed to be back for the Cardiff game next weekend, if, if we believe his um, after-match analysis. But, yeah, what did you think of the game generally and do you think the substitutions played a part obviously Semenyo Nicholas Lyerson and Nathan Baker coming on or? I thought obviously Taylor Moore was injured wasn't he and he had to, I think a bit of an occurrence from the week before so he had to come off and his replacement in Baker yeah that makes sense I was a bit astounded that Palmer didn't come on because I thought that game would suit Palmer because the minute we made those substitutions Barnsley seemed to Barnsley seemed to get kind of their, their tails up and they started to come at us and we were constantly defending and I, and I just thought the Palmer would have put pressure back on them so I did I was screaming at the television when he said what are you doing I, I you know I'm not obviously LJ will know more than us but I really thought that that was one that if he probably maybe looked back and he said that but one thing that struck me from that game is we didn't do our they didn't do their individual jobs and he made a big point of that and I think I put it on Twitter after the game that a 2-0 up even 2-1 up we should be seeing that game out that was two points lost massively if you'd have offered a draw before the game well they, they drew with West Brom the week before didn't they but yeah overall mood disappointment angry all those from that Friday night I felt sorry for the 500 odd uh, supporters who made the journey but yeah 
for, for, on this occasion, I think the substitution hampered us and may have lost us two points. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not setting Lee Johnson up for a fall there. I, yeah, I, I wasn't too sure myself whether whether it did um, play a, a role or not. What I was surprised about was seeing that Barnsley had 24 shots in the game, which is a massive amount of shots. And we watching it, I, I wasn't too sure where those shots came from because it didn't feel that they were like totally on top of Bristol City. I, I felt at times it was an even game. But yeah, as you say, you've got to see these... A 2 0 lead out. So, yeah I, think, yeah, I think a lot of those shots probably came from a set pieces. I mean, certainly, again, I, I, I haven't rewatched it. I wonder whether Marley Watkins was doing a job in the first hour at front post where Dijon often is because the last 20 minutes, every single set piece seems to just fall in the area. And again, it's, well, especially ahead of Sunday, which I know we'll talk about, but with the likes of Baker and Callas and Williams in there, you've got to wonder why someone isn't organising that area and getting ahead to it and getting it clear before it has a chance to land because so many balls were coming in at the front post and they were having ricocheted shots and deflections and it just, you know, the goals were coming, to be honest, a long yeah. time before we did. I, th- I thought that was some good link-up play. We're at times with Vyman and Watkins and he won a couple of fouls, but what did you make of him, Mike? Watkins, this is um, his recall to the Bristol City side. Well, I think I said after the game he should never have come off, but I didn't realise that he was asking to come off, wasn't he? He was blowing. Um, yeah, pleasantly surprised. He needs to do more of that and he'll quickly become, you know, he'll quickly become back in, you know, the City fans' favour. You know, there has been a point where he's been a bit of a... A bit of a laughing stock I used, but no, he, he certainly did a job. And, and when he came off, we were worse, you know, as a team going forward for it. So yeah, he was doing a lot of a lot of good work. Yeah, I suppose it does come down to these fine margins. Have you got a player who's not started this season, and yeah, he's going to be knackered after after yeah. sixty odd minutes. Um, on a similar subject, what did you chaps make of Thomas Callas's return? Obviously, he's not played since August, and another one, I guess, who's who's just coming back into the team. Yeah, and I think again, a bit like a team, I think he did did well for an hour or so, but looked shaky at the end, and that's probably down to a bit of lack of match fitness. I think Ashley Williams, you probably saw some tiredness in his legs as well. That last half an hour, he seemed a bit less able to get across and cover like he has been. Um, you know, Tommy Rowe, as I said, moved from wing back to centre midfield. We had a big core of a team there with Masenga as well, who would just they all looked a bit shot to be honest. Um, I think we could just you know need to get out of this Cardiff game at the weekend, a little as unscarred as possible make the most of the international break and hope we can bring a couple more back to, to help rotate the uh, rotate the team a little bit. Is, is there any argument at all that we can make for this being a good point one? I suppose in the circumstances, no no way. But they, And they've only won one home game this season, haven't they, in the league? Fulham, I, I think, first I, weekend. But. I would say that Paul made a good point on Twitter the other day that last year we would have lost that game. We would have, you know, we would have lost 3-2 or 2-1. We picked up a point. Now we've got too many draws, which is fundamental now. That's why Saturday, which we'll talk about later, I would have taken a draw, but not anymore. I think we've got to go there and win. A point game will only do at the end of the season, won't we? Yeah, I think, I mean, the point I think I was making is we've, that's probably four games in a row where the form hasn't been great. You look back to well, Luton's second half was pretty awful. Charlton, we got away with it. Um, Wigan, now Barnsley. My, my point I think I was making was, you know, would that have been one of Johnson's losing runs a year ago? Would we have come out of those four games with zero points or one point maybe and not won anything and not got anything? And are we grinding out points or are we kind of normalising towards a, a, a team which is or more on the edge of a playoffs and struggling a bit with injuries and maybe looking like a more mid-table team? And it's difficult to know right at this stage. Yeah, I, my concern with Bristol City is just the goals being conceded at the moment. Certainly in the last couple of away games, obviously the three shipped at Luton. And yeah, they, they're still the top scorers in the league on the road, aren't they? And third in the league on goals scored. And, and I, I've got a question for you chaps we'll come on to. And I know a lot of Bristol City fans always say, say they need that 20-goal striker. And I'm wondering if Andy Weiman could be that man because he's now got six. Uh, he's playing pretty well up there. And Bristol City are the third top scorers in the, in the division so it, it probably is a case that goals aren't a problem it's the other end and it seems defensively I just wonder I said this my view on Twitter after the game I wonder if the Webster um, sale is having an effect not necessarily in the I think they've replaced him with equally good defenders, but I just wonder if his um, composure on the ball to keep possession at, at vital times, win a foul, play a, a, a significant pass into midfield, maybe that kind of thing makes makes a difference. Yeah, I think it def- definitely makes a difference. I think I mean, Taylor Moore's shown a little bit of that, but again, it's, it's coming off quite a lot. I, to be honest, I think the one we're really missing defensively is Marlon Pack. 
I think the job he did defensively was often overlooked by City fans who were looking for him to rake those 40-yard balls and, and get goal assists and, and create chances. The job he did as a tall guy standing in front of that defence, blocking balls coming in, getting in the way, I think that's where we're actually missing someone. I think the we're probably a bit better going forward. We're probably a bit quicker going forward and a bit more dynamic, hence why we're scoring more goals. But I think we're certainly conceding more goals because Marlon's not there putting a, putting a block in front of that defence. Agree with that, Mike? Yeah, yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I think that, obviously, Callas came back. He's only going to get better and stronger and fitter. And, you know, when he when he was injured at the whole game, wasn't it? He was on top of his game. Some of those previous games, he was absolutely, you know, immense. Um, Baker, you know, I, I think City fans believe that we replaced, after our start to the season, we actually replaced, uh, what's his name? Um, Webster, yeah. But I don't think we, ha- as you say, I don't think we, we quite have. Um, we are, for, for the defence we have, I think our goals conceded is disappointing. Um, Vyman to me is awesome. I think the guy, when played in the right position, and that's one for debate, you know, I don't see him out wide, I see him up front. You know, I always remember Sheffield United away last year, probably the best game for years on the road. When he's playing up front, he was, he was unplayable. And I think that's where he needs to be. Yeah, obviously six goals for the season now. Great header that sort of just looped into the the top corner there. Uh, two goals for Bristol City from set pieces. But uh, and I know you've mentioned this, I think, to me, Paul. Another goal conceded from set pieces. Just just briefly, uh, uh, that's three. I think in the last couple of games. So some work for Jamie McAllister because I think he does the, the set piece defending um, to do this week, maybe in training. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think you know, I think a lot of fans recognise the job DJ normally does about our front post. He obviously won't. Be there on Sunday but we've got to just get more organised and someone's got to take the lead and I think you know I say with the likes of Baker and, and Callas and Williams in there all experienced all, you know, they've been in this league a long time they're all tall they're all big big guys it's hard to understand why we can't sort it out but um, yeah I think you know on the positive our plus our set pieces are doing well and you know there's a big topic of conversation there in Nicholas Eliasson um, obviously really key to that um, we've got to find a way of somehow getting him more involved and more able of contributing to the whole match I think which is what Johnson's probably looking for from him um, whether that's through formation or who plays behind him or who plays alongside him I don't know but he is seems to be the key to a lot of our goals and a lot of our chances I'm going to I'm going to reserve the Nicholas Eliasson chat until for the second part of this podcast but but Mike yeah I mean one guy who, who's definitely playing a big big part for City at the moment Dan Bentley a couple of brilliant saves from him uh, he was outstanding again on Friday night wasn't he Absolutely and when Johnson says he's probably in line for a call up couple of injuries maybe it's a bit far fetched that but I I think at the form he's in you know, I reckon he was. He sent, saved us seven, eight goals, one on ones. Um, I did notice for the final goal, he started to show some frustration because you could see him pointing at the defence to say who was picking that guy up. He, he, the, you know, the guy has been awesome for us. Great buy. You know, I think Brentford fans said you paid two million for him. He's, you know, he makes mistakes, but I think, you know, with the coaching he's he's got at City, he's become. Yeah, he, he I, seven, eight goals without a doubt. I think he saved us this season and. You know, with with Callas, Baker, Williams in front of him, I think um, you know we are we are going to get stronger in defence. But uh, Dan Bentley, absolutely, probably player of the seasons so far. I'd, I'd agree with that. I, one question I had relating to the Barnsley game was looking back. I thought the defence was so deep at times. That was my one worry. Certainly, the end of both halves. I don't know if that's fitness related or, as you say, Paul, maybe organisation related. And it just needs one of those back three to take command and say guys push out and, and defend the edge of the box as you say sometimes it relates to sort of the, um, the way the ball feels and it's coming off the back of set pieces so you are naturally mm. in the box but yeah that was a concern for me I mean look where Corley Woodrow taps that in from you know he's yeah. like literally a couple of yards out they should be defending surely higher on the pitch there but yeah and I think again maybe that does allude back to the not actually replacing Webster I mean Baker and Callas are two monster centre-halves neither are quick and if you've got those two and Ashley Williams who again is, was quick in his day but is, is yeah. getting on a bit if you haven't got that recovery pace I think as a defence you've got to sit deeper you've got to, you can't afford to play a high line because you're going to get caught out with a good ball or a good run so you've got to play a bit deeper and again I think that's something they've just got to sort out between them and work out where exactly they're going to pitch that line and, and how they're going to organise themselves to get out more quickly um, and have that 
ability to recover if required. We, we spoke to Dan Bentley ourselves after the match, so let's have a listen to what the former Brentford goalkeeper, who's in such great form at the moment, said following the match. Obviously, I mean, every, everybody can't be able to look at the league table, um, and it's not difficult to work out where three points is going to take us. Um, but nobody at all was kind of in the mindset that we need to win because we can go top. Um, it's like, for me, if we win, you know, that's, that's the first and foremost. And then we'll have a look at the league table. Um, you know, I personally, I don't, I don't really care about the league table up until you know, like Christmas time, and you kind of see where where it pans out. It's very tight at the moment, um, so I won't be kind of looking at the table now and thinking, oh, they're up, they're down, or, or you know, they're in the playoffs, they're not. Um, but there was, there was no, there was no conscious or subconscious for me in terms of the change room or, or the, the mood around the boys, in 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 a sense that we were half an eye on the league table. Um, we've got. Too, uh, change way too professional to, to even consider that. So, no, I don't think that's. Um, I don't think that came into to, into the performance or into anybody's mentality at all tonight. You've obviously got a fantastic view from being in goal in terms of the the, the flow and the able to play. Yep. Um, Defence getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I mean, where where do you think was kind of the symptoms of the? Of the, of, the, of the draw ultimately came from because um, you, you would have seen things differently to obviously how the players did you feel the goals coming from Marzi to an extent I didn't know I, I, I didn't I wasn't sitting there thinking that you know we're, we're we're on the edge here, yeah. We, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, I, I wasn't there thinking that we're on the edge here and we're, we're likely to concede at all. Um, I felt I have confidence in the lads. Um, I have confidence in myself first and foremost. I have confidence in the lads, and, and we all have confidence in each other. Um, so I don't think there was ever a, a, a conscious reason for us to be deep, as you refer to there. Um, I think we we were trying to do the right things. Um, it's often spoke about, uh, you know. I think everybody knows that. It's, it's always difficult when, when there's one goal in the game and the opposition are kind of barraging forward with, with long balls and, um, and and throwing all their big men up to, to, to pick up first and second balls and trying to cause problems. The natural thing is to go deep. Um, obviously, that's where we need to deal, be perhaps a little bit braver and just go, you know what, we're going to hold our line and defend as we have been for, for 65, 75 minutes. Um, but obviously... Unfortunately, in that respect, it wasn't to be tonight, and we'll, we'll debrief and make sure that we um, that we come out with going forward that we know our jobs in that situation again are to make sure we're aggressive, to make sure that we're brave with, with, with our press and with with our shape. Um, how are you doing? Obviously, now sort of three, four, four months as a city player. I mean, yeah, how, how months, yeah. things changed for you? Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm, I'm, my missus is um, just over two weeks away from giving birth. Oh, wow. um, due. So, oh, so yeah, my life is about to change dramatically. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm absolutely. You know, that's that's one so thing. That, a Bristolian baby. No, well, she, she's going to be born in Bristol, but she's not going to be a Bristolian. She's okay. going to she's going to remember her roots of, of, <laughs> of Essex. Um, but no, no, it's, it's a fantastic place to, for her to grow up. So I'm, I'm I'm delighted that we're that we're having her first and foremost. I'm delighted that it's in Bristol because um, I love I'm loving my time here. Um, what, what is that? I know. Yeah, no, it's, it's just. What's it about the club? I just feel. I just feel that the, the club. The, the, the ambition that the club has is 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 exactly what I would, it, would want and expect, and it's the ambition that I have myself. You know, I want to be a Premier League player. The club want to be a Premier League club. So for me, that, that's, that's a perfect fit. Um, in terms of the way I feel in in, in the team, obviously playing football is, is, is great first and foremost. Um, I feel like I've, I've grown grown great bonds with with all the lads. Um, with some real close friends in the, in the dressing room, and um, I. I just feel I just feel happy. You know, no, it's, it's a nice place to be. I, yeah, I feel happy. Yeah. I feel confident, um, and that's and that's how the club and um, certainly the goalkeeping union and have, have, have helped make me feel. Um, so uh, I mean, long may that continue. But um, obviously, the first the first thing I, I, I want is to is to uh, is to be happy, um, and then I think that a, a lot can come from from just being simply being happy. Um, so I think if, if we can continue that and. Um, I can continue developing as a, as a player. That's obviously what I want to do. That's, I'm not, I don't think I'm the finished article by any means. So um, the more that, that, that we can achieve that and keep building and climbing as a, as a club and obviously myself as an individual as well, then that will continue my happiness, if you, if, if you like.
That was Dan Bentley. Good to hear his views. He's um, two, two great saves from Malik Wilkes on Friday night. And I think it was uh, Connor Chaplin, the other one that he pushed onto the post. Fantastic glove work there. So moving on then, we're going to discuss a few general items regarding Bristol City. Now, Paul, if I could ask you about the finance accounts sorry, financial accounts that were, were released last week for 2018-19. I think you'll have seen, like me, that um, the Swiss Ramble um, has, has covered the accounts now himself. Is there anything stand out from what he said that's caught your eye at all, or is it, is it pretty, pretty much stuff that we know there? Um, I think, like any set of accounts, is how you want to look at it. Um, there are a few standout numbers. Um, I think the operating losses of half a million pound a week stood out to a lot of people. That's pretty massive number massive scale obviously offset by the player sales uh, I think the point is we're not going to be able to sell 30-40 million pounds with players every year um, it's not going to be that level we might be able to get away with 15-20 to 20, but it's not going to be that level I think a couple of things that really came out were one is the massive difference in our commercial income the last four years what Ashton Gate was built for is coming to fruition you know, we've more than doubled our commercial income that's non-football related income which has a massive impact on the ability of a club to finance what it's trying to do um, although the wage bill has rocketed as you'd expect in the championship the last few years the other stat I noticed which was thought was really interesting was our actual re- wages to revenue ratio has actually been coming down so it's still 101%, but that's less than 107%, which was last year. And I think it was 171% four or five years ago as we were getting out of League One. So there's a lot of good signs there. Um, the, the worry is you're still obviously very reliant on Steve Lansdowne. Um, and you're very reliant on selling at least one, if not two or more star players every summer to maintain it whilst, whilst we push for a Premier League. And you know, you're looking at what's possible next year. The Adam Webster fee has already pretty much been covered by purchases uh, if you look at the account that was a post note but um, that came in after after the end of May but so did the purchases of Calas and Jada Silver and Casey Palmer and Bentley etc so there's about a 3 million surplus offsetting so that means we're online for about 20, 22 million pound loss next year if the numbers are tracking as they are so you've got to look at either getting to the Premier League or probably selling a player like Josh Brownhill or Masengo to fund that fund that spending yeah, it's it's kind of a gloomy picture, but also a good picture in a way. And fair play to the club, as you say there, Paul. I, th- I think they've done really well on the commercial side, obviously, making good use of Ashton Gate as a multi-use arena. And, yeah, the concerts that we've seen there. And uh, you were down there, weren't you, Mike, recently at an yeah. expo or something, yeah. weren't you? So you've seen that clo- at first hand even. And, um, yeah, the, the, the club's doing some good work there. But the reality is that the championship is so tough money-wise. How, how, how do you see it? Do you, are you happy with the way the club is progressing generally and, and, and the work that Steve Lansdowne and is doing and I guess there's not really too much more they could do because they're kind of hampered by financial fair play? No, I agree. I think, I think the accounts coming out and the way Paul just alluded to them then answered a lot of questions. Why don't we do things? You know, you, why don't we go and buy Dwight Gale for 10 million? Well, we can't afford him. We can't afford his wages. Um... And I, and I also think that why do we sell players? We sell players to balance the books. So are we a selling club? We're a business. And we're a business that's evolving and getting better every single, every single season. So I think if you, if you take out, if you look at the numbers, it answers a lot of questions. Why we operate as we do and, you know, the conference facilities at the club are getting better. I think we're in a good position. And, you know, looking at the other... You know, I think Stoke have to sell like forty million pounds worth of players, or they're in trouble. So I think we're in a good position. We're a lot better than majority of the, the championship. So overall, I think there's some good people at the helm, and, and we've got to be patient because those accounts show why we have to be patient. So I think they answered a lot of questions that we get annoyed at a transfer deadline day. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Sorry, yeah, go on. There's a couple of other things I did note. I mean, one thing you see is the transfer spending by club, and you see Middlesbrough way, way out there, and they spent 66, 70 million pounds, and look at where they are now. So, yes, we could go and buy a proven striker, as everyone keeps talking about. It doesn't always work like that. It really doesn't. Um, you, you've, yes, you've probably got a better chance of finding someone, but um, as you alluded to, Gregor, I think we're playing a not-bad style of football at the moment to get the best out of Wyman. That might get the best out of Dijoux. Yeah, we've got to look at that. I think the other thing, though, is if you look at the clubs without parachute payments, we're getting close to 
the top of that table. You know, we get, I think only Leeds were above us in terms of commercial income, which is an amazing job. When you look at some of the other teams in that league, um, we're, we're edging up the wages table. We're not, not necessarily something to be proud of, but we're edging up from sort of 16th, 15th to 12th, 11th, 10th, which in theory is the better squad. Um, but yeah, that's the model. And I think everyone at the club is fully prepared, to be honest, to sell, uh, I'll use Josh Brownhill's name again, to sell Josh Brownhill this summer for 20 million if it means we can spend 20 million on four new players to boost the squad better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the model until we get to the Premier League. Just, just to sort of round off this section, I'm going to throw this one at both of you. Does the club, or do clubs have to spend to be promoted, do you think? Do they, do they have to bring in quality? Can you, can you do it a different way? Can you, can you rely on free transfers and loans? Um, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough question to answer, uh, but what do you think? Well, you look at this season Premier from last season Championship, Norwich haven't spent big, they went up. Sheffield United, to me, are a model for everybody. They spent, you know, they bought the likes of Luke Freeman. I think if you spend wisely, you buy a mixture of youth experience. I don't necessarily think you do because Villa spent big and they're no better off. In fact, I think they're, they the, no, I think Norwich are uh, uh, bottom out of the three promoted clubs. Mm. Um, I think you have to spend wisely. You might have to spend a bit. You might have to break your transfer record, but I don't think you would necessarily need to spend money you don't have. And the big thing about Villa is they've sold their stadium, haven't they? Sheffield United, if they get relegated next season, their club is in a good position going forward. And I think that's what City would be. We would be Sheffield United. We wouldn't be, or Norwich, we wouldn't be... Aston Villa. Yeah, so. I'd, I'd agree with most of that. I'm going to tee you up here, Paul. So, yeah, from my, from my point of view, I think I think it kind of makes it easier if, if you can spend money. But obviously, if you haven't got that flexibility, then yeah, you've got to do it a different way. I I think there is. I think there are players out there that you can bring in on free transfers and loans. Myself, I mean, as you said, there, Mike Norwich and the success they've had with Timu Buki. That that's been a brilliant free transfer for them. So there are players out there. It's just obviously difficult. And, and making those work. What, how do you see it, Paul? Yeah, I think. I mean, each club has got its own sort of way of doing it. I mean, Norwich. If you look at the players they sold in the last two or three seasons, raked in a massive amount of money. Likes of Madison and Murphy and people like that. I mean, their fans must have been tearing their hair out that the year before last, thinking, "Oh, well, we're destined to be in the championship forever." And now look at them. Um, but saying that, you've got to also accept you don't get a free signing like Pukki everywhere. You know. Clubs make 50 free signings in a season and one or two might come off. So there is a better chance if you want to go and spend 10 million quid on a striker than there is if you're picking up a free transfer. The other thing I say about Sheffield United is they're admirable, absolutely, but Wilder has shaped them over four or five years and brought them up from League One largely. So you can't always do that. And I think they've got a clear identity, a clear way of playing. They've got players that suit that system and it's bearing... Do you, do you want to add to that, Mike? I, I would say, I think, is the part of the thought process around that, the change of recruitment, head of recruitment at Ashton Gate, is that the change? We need to move up a level now. We need to perhaps be looking in a different pond. Is that part of the... Because, you know, we've, we've always done well. I think maybe, because Johnson is always looking, and so is Mark Ashton, looking to evolve the club. Is this part of the plan? I, I, that's what I saw, that this guy's contacts yeah well, well from my point of view to, just to add into that I'm one little story I don't know if you guys know this but when we ha uh, go to the press uh, room which is in the next to the players lounge uh, in at Ashton Gate it's like it's next door to the press conference room and the press conference room has actually moved location in the last couple of years, and that's because Mark Ashton's office has um, has basically grown massively in size because he's um, recruited um, more and more recruitment staff for Bristol City. So this team is growing, and maybe that is key for Bristol City getting it right on the recruitment front. And I, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Tony Pulis, and he was saying how recruitment is still the most important thing in football for your football club to progress. So. It is a vital area. Um, yeah, I mean, just moving on from this, but loosely connected, Ashley Williams, he's had his contract renewed to the end of the season. That was a, a no-brainer, wasn't it, I guess? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think I was amongst many who were probably a little bit sceptical when he came in, worried. You know, we saw a lot of us saw him at Stoke on New Year's Day when he looked pretty awful and pretty cumbersome and pretty slow and Dijou tore him apart, to be honest. Um, but he's come in, he looks fitter, he looks leaner. 
Um, so possibly just showing a few signs of the last couple of games that have been a bit of tiredness, but that's to be expected. Um, but no, he's been absolutely, he's come in, he's done a great job. And it'd be interesting to see how Johnson wants to take it going forward once he's got Callas available again and he's suddenly got five centre-backs competing for positions and whether he wants to try and switch to a four or stick to a three at the back. You know, it'd be interesting to see who gets in and who, who gets left out. Yeah, I love my stats. Um, Ashley Williams at the moment leading the league for blocks per game. 1.4 blocks per game. So, yeah, and, and he has been very good the last few games, I have to say. Did you always think he would be a success, Mike? No, I was like, Paul, I was sat on the fence, um, you know, looking at the people that were available. What I think Williams has done, he's silenced his doubters and he's probably exceeded our expectations um, you know when we saw him on the pitch or he stood on the sidelines up at Derby we were like mm, should we so, but I, th- I, th- I heard from a good source that Johnson wasn't 100% sure on him and he wanted to take his time I think that's a good thing about the club they've weighed the options up and they've it's a gamble that have paid off and, it, and, and they yeah and he's back in the Welsh squad for in, in the two up and coming games I, I think with his vegan diet I think some of the other players have started to take that. Josh Brownhill, I, I, I saw in Jeff 20, or I heard on. So, look, to me, out of 10, the guy's been 8, 9. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I think the way they've done it contract-wise has is, is been good. It's almost like he's served out this probationary, probationary yeah. period and he's proven that he wants to be at the club. He's going to buy into everything they're trying to do. And, yeah, it's worked out pretty well. So, uh, yeah, and maybe that's a, a nice place to move on to the final part of uh, the podcast. We're going to hear from Lee Johnson speaking after the Barnsley game, giving a little hint about the injuries to Josh Brownhill and how he felt Marley Watkins did and then we'll be discussing the seven-side derby. I know it's a point, Lee, but it must have been a difficult one to take. Yeah, tough, tough one to take. Disappointed. Disappointed with my group today. I've got to be honest with you. That's the first time I've got this season I've been disappointed. Um... I'm not sure I'd have been 100% happy, even if we'd have won 2-1. But to be as stretched as we were with 45 seconds to go shows me that we need to bump up our sort of leadership, if you like, and our aggression to influence other people. It didn't make sense to be to be as stretched as we were in that instance. Where did that stem from in terms of areas of the fields on the field? Poor decision making. It is young, really. We're square pegs in round holes, really, at the moment in terms of positionally. Um, but saying that, I still think we should have coped at two 0 up. Um, and listen, Barnsley were plucky today, like they have been all season, and um, like they haven't got the most like quality in terms of like championship. Uh, top six but I thought it was an even game today I really did Bentley's made three or four uh, or definitely two really good saves Um, and we've got some good players out on the pitch that really got caught a little bit in the the headlights I think in the last sort of 15-20 minutes Um, In terms of the selection with Thomas I mean he looked like he hadn't been away really in terms of fitness yeah. how would you analyse no that's a big boost for us definitely obviously having Thomas back um, I think you know you look to him as our record signing um, to give us that sort of steely defending ability and you saw that on four or five occasions where he read the play and swept up or he buys time with fouls because he leaps so well um, but I'm still disappointed that even he couldn't influence that last 45 seconds better was it, was, sorry, was it an individual? So we're talking about individuals or collectively? Yeah. Listen, I, I, listen, I'm going to keep my mistakes to myself. Um, not because I'm frightened to admit my mistakes, but because I don't want to um, demonise the, the individuals for my mistakes. And how was it watching for you? Obviously not down on the dugout um, being able to affect things. No, it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, of course, I'd rather have been... Uh, down the dugout, particularly in the last... I'd rather have been playing, to be honest with you, uh, in the last, like, ten minutes. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is. It's something... I'm still a young manager, you know. I didn't really say anything too derogatory, but uh, I've been stung, and, and it's a rap on the knuckles and a lesson for me moving forward. How's Josh? Uh, it's all right. Back spasm. Like, right. a strange one. Uh, it wasn't a hamstring, which is good. Mm. Um, back spasm, so you'd hope that... 
uh, that would just sort of ease off over the next three or four days and uh, and hopefully it'd be right for Cardiff. How did he do it? Was a, it was I think it was a twist. Was it? Yeah, sometimes the pelvis slips or something like that and that causes a spasm so we'll get him uh, realigned with an osteopath and uh, like I say, let it settle down over the next couple of days. And just finally, for me, uh, Marley Watkins, first start for 13 oh. months. Um, how did you feel he oh, played? Well, he was excellent until he got cramped. <laughs> right. Okay. So, it says it all. Paul, if I could start with you, do you expect any changes for this coming weekend? I, I guess a lot depends maybe on Adam Nagy's fitness and whether maybe he could be involved. It might be a little bit too early for him, although he has been called up by the Hungary national team today. Again, yes, yeah. I mean, he had more, yeah, more call-ups by Hungary and he's played for City, I think, this season. Uh, in terms of changes, I don't know. I think it's, you got that, you got Josh Brownhill's injury, you got Taylor Moore, Ken, you know, Kalas. I think what you've got this weekend, you know what you're going to get. There's no hiding from it. It's going to be a tough physical encounter, which traditionally we haven't done very well under Lee Johnson, actually, against those sort of teams, the teams who hustle us and, and have a lot of big physical footballers. Um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Marley Watkins start again. I think you need that up front to, to get into their centre-halves, try and give Flinty a run around. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, I think, to see Callas and, and Baker at the back as a pairing, and, and probably Williams with them, just to maybe be a bit more physical than Taylor Moore can be um, again looking at how they play but it's it's like we know what we're going to get we've got to be a lot tougher a lot more resilient we've got to work probably a bit harder than we did in that, certainly the last half an hour on Friday night because otherwise Cardiff are going to have a field day against us especially at set pieces and we've got to make sure we, we toughen up from where we've been the last two or three matches because none of us wants to come away with a defeat from this place more than most other places in this league um, and our record the last 10-15 years against them has been pretty awful so maybe on Warnock's last uh, last home game against us we can do one on him for once yeah it'll be a nice time to beat them do you, do you agree with most of that Michael how do you see the team would, would you find a place for Nicholas Eliasson leading the league with assists and yeah I think one of the leading players in the division for key passes and basically creating chances for other players yeah controversially I'm not a great fan of Eliasson you know if that is the only stat that matters in football that's great but over 90 minutes I don't think the guy does enough um I've always been someone who's wanted him to do well, but I, I actually, people are probably going to be screaming at, at their phones now, and they, but I'm not 100%. I don't think overall he doesn't do enough to warrant a start every single game. And if he did, Johnson would put him in. But he doesn't, he doesn't show him enough to give him that. Um, in the team, I, I definitely go at the moment. You, I think you have to go with Watkins up front without a doubt um, and again I think we need experience because we need to win our individual battles this time because they're going to be big brutal you know the crowd are going to be up for it it's a, it's a horrendous kickoff time for Bristol City couldn't be worse couldn't be a worse day everything is against us so hopefully Johnson gets them up at 6am pretending it's an evening game or an afternoon game but yeah we've never done well we've never won that I think the best we've ever got is drawn um, Tomlin's going to he, he, he's going to have something up his sleeve. It, this game means a bit more to you, doesn't it, Mike, in terms of, like, it's, it's almost a home game and, and sort of the reaction of, I guess, your neighbours and people like that. You must know some Cardiff fans. Yeah, it's absolutely horrendous losing this game because my WhatsApp, my text, it'll be full. Um, there's a lot of kids who used to play in the football team I rung. They'll be in the, you know, I'll be getting lots of texts. And, yeah, this one's big. It is only three points. Um, or one point or whatever but it's one I don't want to lose on a personal you know it's, it's the first home game for two years two, two and a bit miles from home it's big for me but overall it is only three points yeah I, th I think for Cardiff City I was speaking to the Wales Online reporter Glenn Williams today about how the Bluebirds might set up and from their point of view they've got problems in the forward areas obviously uh, Ward was sent off at the weekend and they're missing uh, Glatzel Glatzel and, and somebody else Morrison. another striker Morrison is it wrist, yeah Morrison's broken his wrist so he's looking like he's not going to be fit for this game there is another forward they're missing he suggested they might play Bogle up front but I'm suggesting they might bring back Callum Patterson who was on the bench he's he, at the weekend and he's played a fair few games from for them up front I think Neil Warnock likes uh, his physicality that he brings and would maybe fit with their team a bit so probably looking at one of those two two guys up front have, have City got enough at the back to 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 
neutralise that, Paul? And also, how do you stop Aidan Flint in the air? Or, or, or indeed, is do we need to worry about Aidan Flint? Because he hasn't been in the best form this season. I think he's got more assists than goals at this point in time, actually. Yeah, I think Flint's getting a bit of a rough ride from the Cardiff fans, you might have seen. I'm not sure they uh, fully appreciate his, uh, his talents or otherwise yet. <sighs> Defensively, I think... Johnson seems to be a little unclear what his best team's formation. I'm not sure whether he's happy with how things are going. He's happy to change things, miss, change things middle of a match, or if he's just things aren't going how he wants. But we switch from a four to a five. We switch from two centre backs to three. If a team only plays one up front, which Cardiff might well at the weekend with one coming off, three centre backs, none of whom is Adam Webster. Going back to that is is overkill. You're left with a spare man back there and not enough men in midfield. Um, We've got to sort it out, and I think we've got to work out whether we're going to play a four at the back, which maybe lends itself more to a, a start for Nicholas Eliasson, but probably rules out Casey Palmer, or whether we're going to play a three at the back, which maybe creates that space for Palmer. I think what he's got is probably our two most creative players, but hasn't quite got a formation that manages to fit both of them in, and it's, it's causing us, I think, some continuity problems and some issues in terms of how we're set up and how we're structured that... You say almost every match he seems to take Taylor Moore off. He seems to switch to a four at the back if he starts with a five or vice versa. And we just, it must, however flexible the players are and however good they are at being multi-positions, I know that's a big thing John Lee's keen on having, it must be hard to switch mid-match just like that and pick up different players and track different runs and track different positions from set pieces and all sorts. And we do, I think we've just got to look for a bit of consistency on Sunday and try and, you know, another away draw. I think I'd take that right now. So would you go with the three at the back again or would you be tempted to switch to four at the back and maybe a little bit more attacking for this one and go for it? Or yeah, I think we... Personally, I think with Callas back, who is undoubtedly our best defender on paper and on what we saw last year, there will be a more of a, uh, a feeling that we could go for, I think. I think he's gone probably gone through a little bit this season to, well, A, to create a space for two up front, um, but B, because you know, maybe he feels that Moore isn't quite there, maybe he feels Williams isn't quite there in terms of pace and he's come in, you know, I think with Callas and Williams or Baker, probably alongside him, I suspect. Um, I think we're strong enough there at centre-back. You've got to make sure then that the full-backs do their job and Pereira and, and um, Tommy Rowe tuck in a bit more than they obviously do if they're playing as wing-backs. Um, but then you that's what you work on in training all week. That's their job of a week to do in training and make sure they know what their job is. As Mike said, we've got to win individual battles, especially in midfield against Cardiff, or we're going to get rolled over. Yeah, that, that's my worry, I have to say, is that possibly the full-back areas could be crucial here. Speaking to Glenn, he, he was pointing out that the key man for Cardiff would probably be someone like Mendes Lang for this game. Obviously, Junior Hoyler has been in some maybe patchy form, but on his day, he can, he can cause problems. So I would worry a little bit about Pedro Pereira, who, who had, I thought, a, a bit of a mixed game at Barnsley. I did think he looked good going forward, but there were times, uh, certainly second half, where didn't get close enough to to the guy who was marking and it was too easy to get crosses in and run behind him so yeah that could be one key area Cardiff haven't lost at home this season but but do you I mean is there a good chance for Bristol City here do you think Mike or it's going to be tough isn't it and what do you see I mean could you see maybe one of Cardiff's ex-Bristol City players playing a, a key role maybe the likes of Tomlin who might well be on the bench to start or, or Marlon Pack we haven't mentioned him too much just yet um, how, how crucial is Pack for this game and, and also Aidan Flint as Paul said earlier I think he's the one Bristol Cardiff player that Bristol City miss it was a bit of a shock last minute move it was one that was jaw dropping wasn't it that he went um, we are missing him um, like we are missing like Palmer is also missing a phobie. I think that was a massive loss. He hasn't been anywhere as good as he was in the first few games. Um, I think, as I alluded to, but we need to win our battle. So, I, personally, I would go 4-4-2. I would go Watkins and Vyman up front. Okay, that's that would give us something going forward. I would keep Palmer on the bench as an impact player. So, when Cardiff are tiring 20, 30 minutes ago, I think one goal will decide this. Mm. Will be 1 0 to either team or 2 1. I don't think it'll be a high scoring game, and it might be of pretty poor quality, like the last time we played down here, where it was minus 160. And it was, I think Johnson said that he would be annoyed if he had to pay to get into that. So I think, well, I think we're going for a game. I think one goal is going to decide it. We go 4 4 2. We go for experience. I think Taylor Moore may have to sit this one out to get over his injury but we go for experience and we match them that's my view 
to a degree with Neil Warnock, do we know what's coming in that it's going to be an aerial battle, it's going to be uh, elbows and faces, and, yeah. yeah, pushing them back. Yeah. And this is my suggestion, Paul. What do you think of this? Possibly playing your back three, but then as Alex Ferguson and others have done at times, fielding another centre back as your defensive midfielder. Maybe either you play. Yeah, they did that with Webster last year, didn't they? they used to play yes, Webster. yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, yeah. they dropped him in as defensive midfielder. Maybe West Brom, and that's where it did work, wasn't it? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and maybe yeah, maybe Taylor Moore might suit that role because he's got that ability on the ball a bit more maybe than the other guys. But then it allows you to have. Williams, Baker and Callas there for, for yeah. defending set pieces and long balls and, and you, you kind of almost concede the ground and say yes we're going to dig in here but um, you're not going to pass. Can you see any merit in that? Or, or? Yeah I think I, mean, I wouldn't do it I don't think with three centre-backs and then another one I think if we played four at the back you could have someone in midfield sitting there but then you probably lose a two up top which Johnson seems keen on doing I, It's really tricky so you, you know exactly what you're going to get with Warner you're right They're gonna, yeah, we're going to dominate possession probably um, although our passing has to be a lot crisper and it certainly has been in some of the recent three or four matches um, we're going to keep the ball we're going to have chances we're going to have ball out wide we're going to have ball 30-40 yards from goal is what we can do with it at that point um, but what we are going to get when they have the ball is that bombardment that, and that's not necessarily aerial I'm not saying they're all on ball but they're direct and they get players forward and they get players wide and they harry you and they hustle you um, and I said unfortunately we don't seem to have been very good against that sort of team over the last three or four years they have ones we play well against Sheffield United, who come and play football against us. We don't do so well against teams like Cardiff, who come down and, and batter us a little bit. So whether you go and match them up, um, I guess to give it a, a rugby analogy, a bit like Wales and England tried to do against Africa, you tried to almost play them at their own game, it didn't work. Or whether actually we go and try and play our most expansive, wide-ranging football of the season and try and get around the back of them and, and do it that way. I think um, it's a dilemma for Johnson. I think what we did see on Friday night, going back to that quickly, is... We did really well at getting in behind their wing backs. And I think that's the key to us is getting Wyman out right, getting Eliasson or whoever it is out, out left and getting in behind the full backs to get the ball in because that's where we seem one most threatening. And that's no defence like that, however well drilled they are, is trying to get men in behind them. Great point on the contrast of styles, yeah. Whether whether you completely go the opposite way yeah, and try and outpass them, play through them. I think it's difficult to do that occasionally away from home when the crowd's against you. Often often the referee too. And and yeah, maybe it's a case of matching them up, as you say, and fighting fire with fire or, yeah, big muscly centre-back with big muscly centre-back. I'm not too sure. Just final question to round it all off then. So... Hanno Masengo, obviously a really bright, shining light this season. Do you, do you think maybe his form has dipped a little bit? Would you play him for this game where he's, he's going to have the likes of Joe Rules flying in at his, his ankles, maybe like that Alex Mowat um, tackle that we saw towards the end of the game, which I thought was a red card, by the way, uh, yeah. in the Barnsley game. Yeah. I thought it was an atrocious tackle, um, sort of ankle high flying in off his feet. Um, he's going to probably have to deal with some of that again on Sunday if he plays, isn't he? So, would you play him? Um, I think in an ideal world, no, I wouldn't right now. I think he's shown signs of a bit of tiredness, a bit of fatigue, a bit of I don't know, maybe even lack of confidence in the last four or five matches, I think. You know, he's been, as you say, he's been booted off the ball a few times and he's learning the hard way about the championship. But I'm not sure we've got much choice. Um, I wouldn't want to disrupt the left-back position with Tommy Rowe again. I don't think that'll work Friday night. Um, certainly not with Nicholas Elias not being back. Um, maybe Callum O'Dowder. O'Dowder's come in and done a reasonable job, but he he tends to take the ball forward and, you know, someone pointed out to me last weekend, actually, sort of, but he's almost being a winger in a central midfield role. He runs into blind alleys and there's no one there to support him then. He's got to look sideways a bit more. Um, but no, I think in an ideal world, I think everyone would say Masengo probably could do with being left out and rested in this one. But we haven't really got many other options. Just sort of tied into that and going back to what you guys were saying, I do wonder if Marlon Pack would not have been missed so much if... Adam Nagy had played more. Yeah, okay. um, I th obviously, he would have been that defensive midfielder they needed, sweeping, mopping things up at the back there, keeping possession nicely, almost like your deep lying playmaker. And I always think it's when when Nagy just does come back. I think it could be huge for City in that it releases Josh Brownhill to play a bit further forward, assuming he's all right for the weekend. I, th I 
Well, um, yeah, we hope that he is. Lee Johnson did say there was a back spasm and he might only be out for a few days, but we'll have to wait for confirmation on that. Pre-match press is Thursday, so we'll probably hear a bit more then. But yeah, I just wonder if Adam Nage would have maybe meant that Pack wasn't missed so much. And yeah, it's probably a big ask for the Hungarian to make it for this game, seeing that he's probably at best case return to training this week but he hasn't had obviously any matches to prepare so uh, the bonus is if he doesn't play this game then it probably means that he misses hungry mm. national duty and that there's probably a big case that for looking to the medium term and and nursing him through this little period and, and making sure that he's all right for the uh, upcoming fixtures because there are some tough games to come aren't there i, I see um, i think city are due to play sheffield wednesday fulham cardiff and west brom all in the next four to five games so, forest, yeah. and forest as well so yeah lots of Huddersfield team on a rebound as well yeah. rebound so a tough tough fixtures coming up and hopefully getting key players back and just just going to finally end the pod then Mike how do you see things at this point in time with where the Robins are sat are you happy with where they are and given in obviously the injuries they've had I don't want to make it too much of a leading question but but yeah how, how do you see things as things are after match day 15 I would say, look, overall, sixth place, sat in the division with our... We have to mention the injuries because they've been horrific. You know, from a phobia all the way down to Callis's hamstring. Overall, sixth place, I would say, very happy with that. Um, there's going to come a time, though, where dropped points, like the two on Friday night, will start hitting us and we'll start parachuting down the league we've gone away with it recently but it just shows how competitive the championship is you know was it four different leaders this weekend that shows where we are and it, you know, there's no way that you can go to any we went to Luton and got spanked and deservedly beaten overall yeah we're progressing if the season was to end today we'd be in the playoffs and Johnson would have in, improved his, his league position again so with the financial results that came out last week and overall I say he's doing a, they're doing a pretty fine job. So, agree with that, Paul? Anything you see as particularly key, particularly key coming um, for the next games ahead? No, I think it's just, bit, yeah, with the injuries, it's a bit a case of hanging on. I hope we can hang on. Some of the, uh, it's an old cliche, but some of these players coming back from injury will seem like a new signing. Um, I think Naj, obviously, as you said, being injured. Jada Silva as well. I think that's reduced our flexibility, which Tommy Rowe has probably brought in to be covering midfield. He hasn't been able to do that. Um, Callas' injury as well means we've been stretched at the back. So I think it's been all round. When, yeah, we are three points off a promotion place. We're also only four points off 16th. So I mean, that's everyone's looking up with and saying it's great we're still in the top six which it obviously is it's fantastic but we're only a couple of games away from being bottom half of the table and you know just fingers crossed we can pull something out of the bag on Sunday and say get a couple of these players back over the international break and come back fresh with a run into Christmas yeah I, maybe just on a positive City seems to have done pretty well against those teams around them this season likes of Hull and Derby although Derby have slipped a little bit so maybe there's yeah grounds for optimism there at least and maybe they, they do seem to slip up a little bit against those physical teams at the bottom as, as we've discussed so. I think we're up against Cardiff City and we're up against the Warnock factor and as you know it could go any way and I wouldn't be surprised if it was a red card yeah. and the benches certainly this weekend will be worth watching and I wouldn't want to be the fourth official Gregor would you? <laughs> no I, I certainly wouldn't either but chaps I want to say thank you very much for joining me for this special yeah, over the bridge edition for the seven side derby coming up on Sunday we'll be back next week with hopefully a special edition because it's our another one because it's our 100th episode of Robins on the Wire so yeah once again thanks very much Paul and Mike for joining me this week Robins on the Wire.